Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Leonor Ryan about innovation. First, let me tell you about Leonor. Leonor is a non-executive director of Western Base and is also on the boards of two family companies. With a background in science and technology and experience in innovation and entrepreneurship, plus company secretarial experience, Leonor brings strong governance skills to a board along with analytical thinking and a how-can-we-make-this-happen approach. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Leonor. Thank you, Helia. So, Leonor, before we get into innovation... As always, I love to dig a little bit deeper uh, about the guests that I've got. So tell me about your upbringing. What lessons did you learn? What did you get up to? And what were the leading influences on you, on how you thought and what you did? So I grew up in a household of scientists. So my father was a research scientist. My mother was an analytical chemist. And so very much... Uh, exposure to, to science at the dinner table, you know, was our conversation. And my father and my brother in particular had a real interest in, in IT and computers. And so we had a computer in the house from a very early stage. And so something that I always just really saw as a tool to getting to where I wanted to go. But also my mother was had this notice on the fridge that said, Anything a woman can do, she needs to do twice as well as a man to be considered half as good. Fortunately, this is not difficult. So these were probably the two overriding pieces of of my upbringing, I think, that that in a lot of ways have, have made me who I am. The other one probably to add to that was my mother and grandfather actually owned a business together. That also, you know, seeing that entrepreneurship, that being in business, being masters of, of their own destinies, I think is, a, is another thing that's factored into to all of this and, yeah, my approach to the world. I love that side on the fridge that your mum had. That's just fantastic. Well, that your family had. So that, what was the business that, was it your grandfather and 
My mother. And your so, mother? What was the business yeah. banker? So my mother and her father, that mm-hmm. grandfather, um, they had a dress fabrics business. So dress fabrics, haberdashery, knitting wool in the main street of the suburb that I grew up in. Fantastic. So, so did young Leonor also work in the business? So young Leonor was a little young to work in the business at, at that time, but certainly loved going to the shop mm-hmm. uh, and did get employed in things like counting buttons during the stock take. <laughs> And to this day, if I walk into the button section of a shop, uh, I have flashbacks to actually counting buttons for pocket money as part of the stock take. Oh, how fabulous. I imagine that would have been, I don't know, I've I've got pictures of that being a fun and colourful environment. that It was. It was great. As well as teaching you stock taking and counting buttons, which (laughs) did it ever graduate to counting the coins or they wouldn't let you close to that? I was, yeah, I, I did get to, to do that, but I but I always wanted to you know, take the shiny ones home, so uh, that wasn't you know, necessarily such a good idea. <laughs> right, so they left you with the shiny buttons instead. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that sort of um, background, yeah, it tells us a lot about how you ended up where you are. And, in fact, I said in the introduction that you're a director, a non-executive director of Western Base. What is Western Base? Can you tell us what that is? Because it's just its name doesn't really tell us about what it does. Yeah, so Western Base is an organisation that is part incubator, part accelerator, part economic development, really, for, for Melbourne's West. So there is a location that is actually in Melton that houses those activities, but activities are actually available to, to businesses right across the, the west of Melbourne and range from workshops to, to right through to, to warehouse space. So a, a business can grow from being an idea through to co-working, through to having an office, through to having a workshop space, yeah. um, warehouse space, right through to then the idea is that, that they were doing so well that commercial rents are, are then the most appropriate thing for them and they move on to that journey. So really helping businesses in the west stay in the west rather than than moving to other parts of town and therefore keeping the jobs where people are. So some of that family background and the entrepreneurship, your role with Western Base, you know, the experience that you've had on other boards and so on, unsurprisingly, that means we're talking about innovation today because it's, again, (laughs) part of that thread that's run through what you've done. So innovation is sometimes well, I think it's sometimes just a bit of a buzzword that gets bounced around. We need to be more innovative. We need an innovative approach to this stuff. We need innovation. Why should boards go beyond that buzz and really understand what it's about? And indeed, what is it about? What is innovation in your terms? So innovation, yeah, often is seen to be kind of banging bits of technology together or doing something in a a different way. That can be true. I think the way to think about it is it's a transformation journey. It's it's actually about change and you need to really make sure you've got the processes right, you've got the resources and capability and you've got the business model right. And that really starts with actually knowing your customers and their needs, being really clear about what you're actually good at and what you need other people to help you with, a learning mindset people and teamwork and your risk appetite um, and what that really means to you. And a lot of these things are true 
whether you're a startup or, or whether you're a large organization or whether you're an organization like Western Base that that is you know facilitating those things for for other businesses. So then for boards, I mean, you talked about a couple of things there, you know, knowing the customer and the need, knowing what you're good at, having a learning mindset, having the right people and teamwork and knowing your risk appetite. Maybe if we work through them and then what, what the board's role is in those things and how they might know that. So, you know, I'm thinking about knowing your customers and knowing the need. Often for boards, you know, that balance between what is operational and what is governance is always a finely tuned balance. How can boards really get to know that yet stay in the governance space? What should they be thinking about? So I think to start with, as I said, it's about change. So if you're thinking about this from a change point of view, Mm. you need to actually understand understand the past. Where have you come from? Where has the industry come from? What's the background? What's led you to today? And what sorts of things is the customer actually battling with? And I think they're all things that a board can and should be informing itself of. You're not getting into the the operational weeds by actually understanding those things. And then actually creating a vision of the future together. So not actually it being the role of either the CEO or the board but actually doing that together and doing that with that eye on the customer and maybe even you know, involving the, the customer to, to some extent in shaping that, that reaching out to your partners, to your other stakeholders and actually helping you shape that. And I think from a, a board point of view, there's certainly things that could be done to, to be on that journey. I, I recall, I can't recall who this was, but I recall speaking to a board member, I think it was of a superannuation company, but I can't be sure. And they have a kind of mannequin, I guess, in the boardroom and it's got its name. I can't remember its name, but it represents the customer. Mm. They refer to that that mannequin, which is the persona of the customer regularly and have it sitting in the boardroom and other kind of important stakeholder meetings to keep them focused on that customer view, which I kind of loved, the, you know, mm. having it just sitting there. I know... One of the boards that I'm on is the Royal Women's Hospital and we often will have in our board meetings a patient story, which, again, keeps us focused on our customer. What are some other ways that boards can keep that front of mind for themselves? You know, depending on on the organisation you're in, whether there is a lot of customer feedback, some industries and some organisations, they get a lot of customer feedback or they're, they're constantly kind of polling customers about their views. I actually think that that's important to surface to the board level, both the good and the bad, to see you know what's going on and understand that. I think also just talking to the the CEO that you know having a, a briefing from the CEO about things that matter to your clients or your members, things that are going on in the organisation, things that are going on in the industry, and then obviously there's kind of the broader reading podcasts webinars meetups none of us have all the answers but I think there are a lot of places to be going to get more information and and then share that information between the board and and the CEO to have that conversation about you know how are things looking out there what's actually important at the moment what are people struggling with what are the problems that we could be delivering on yeah 
which probably leads in some way to that next step that you talked about, which is, you know, knowing what you're good at and where others might be able to help you. For you in your boardroom, how do you define what you're good at and what others might be able to help you with? That's interesting. So I think we have a, a quite a range of skills and, and experience on the board, which is very useful in terms of thinking about that and, and the partnerships we can then you know, reach through to introduce people to the organisation to be able to leverage the networks and the, the skills and so forth that we come from. And, yeah, we do tend to have the conversation that people feel quite comfortable, I think, to, oh, yeah, I know someone or I could introduce you or have you done this, you know, have you thought about that? And we do have a, a learning mindset, which, yeah, is one of the, the key things there that we're really interested in how can we actually do this better and what can we do to support our CEO? You know, it's a very small organisation. There's, there's not a lot of staff. And so it is a matter of being involved. You know, again, it's, it's not being involved operationally, but you know, being involved with making those decisions and, and bringing those resources to the business. Which also, of course, links to one of the other things you've talked about, which was people and teamwork in there and, you know, these aren't, I guess, mm. any steps, they all come together to bring about that innovative mindset, I guess. I think one of the other things is actually psychological safety. That yeah. that's There's actually a lot of research on psychological safety and, and enabling innovation and high-performing teams. And, you know, I think that's something that we do do well, that we actually have that culture at the board level and through the organisation that, you know, putting forward ideas they're not going to be shot down, they're going to be discussed. If something didn't go right, we're like, oh, okay, well, what can we learn from that for next time rather than people being shut down or, or being chastised so that it's very much about having a go. And that's a lot of what you see in, you know, a lot more of the entrepreneurial businesses, the kind of startup world. It's, I said to someone the other day, you're building the plane on the way down kind of thing. And so, you know, you don't have all the answers, you don't have it all right, but you do something and you work out what did we learn from that, what would we do, you know, differently next time. So that experimentation and that culture of trying something and working out what did we learn, what, how would we do this, but not actually shutting it down. It's interesting, isn't it, because I think sometimes, well, I was going to say sometimes people, maybe it's just me, sometimes I feel like there's this impression that the entrepreneurial world can be quite kind of cutthroat, whereas creating that psychological safety and having that culture of failure, which is okay because it's all part of learning and it's okay uh, to fail, it's okay to support each other, um, it's okay to create that culture of support is really what's going to create that innovation. Does it sometimes feel like there's a tension in that? There's very much the mythology of startups and, and how they're portrayed in movies or even how they're you know, portrayed in the media. To be honest, that's not my experience day to day of you know working with with entrepreneurs or you know being an entrepreneur in the startup world. It, it's actually much more about that learning mindset. It's not even a nice to have it's crucial if you're not actually 
embracing this whole journey as being a learning experience and you know not that it's even okay to fail you know you will fail but the key is did you learn anything from that mm-hmm. and what did you learn from it and what can you do next time that you would do differently now that you've had that experience that's actually the key to startups and, and the key to to innovation is is embracing that mindset and indeed, you know, again, it links to the fifth thing you'd mentioned about risk appetite. My guess is if you're not failing, you're kind of not trying hard enough in a way. Like you have to push yourself to the edge of some of these things. Yeah, very true. And I think risk is really something that it's all about perception. It, it's how you perceive those risks. And, you know, what one person would describe as entrepreneurship, someone else would describe as risk. It's how you go into that, that viewpoint. And that's where I think yeah, having diverse directors is, is hugely important and, and diversity along a whole lot of axes. So not just gender diversity, which is often the default idea of diversity. And then maybe we think about, oh, well, you know, maybe cultural background, but even just the type of businesses that people have worked in. If I look at the Western Baseboard, you know, we have people who worked for local government for many years. We've got people who've never worked for local government, but you know, have had their own startup businesses perhaps. Yeah, you know, we've had people who've worked for big organizations. Yeah, you know, we've had people who are freelancers. And so bringing all of those different sets of experience and views of of business and, and you know views of then therefore risk, your perception of risk is is very different depending on what industry you've come from, what size of organisation, is it government, is it non-government? And so bringing that together and then having respectful conversations around that are what's really important to being able to move forward in this space. Either from your experience in working with boards around this or your experience in the boardroom, what's your advice to them in defining or examining their risk appetite to ensure that innovation is open to them for their change or transformation? So I think it's actually about the purpose. It's about the why. You know, why why are you doing this? What are you actually trying to achieve? And then what needs to happen to get there? And if you're looking at it through that lens, that actually makes a really big difference to it. Yes, depending on the, the kind of business you know, you do need to demonstrate some sort of commercial benefit from what you're doing. But yeah, really the why is is the key piece to answering that question. And if you then look at the potential risks, you know, through that lens, it's a very different story than if you were just saying, oh well, yeah, anything that involves, I don't know, warehouse space must be risky that doesn't necessarily make any sense. It depends, well, what are you using the warehouse for? What's going in it? How big it is? How much traffic it has? There's a whole lot of other things that that go into that. It's important not to just take risks as being kind of there's a standard list or or something like that, that it's it's very much around how that fits with actually what you're trying to achieve. Knowing your purpose. Exactly. Uh yeah, knowing the strategic direction, knowing what you're aiming for and everything else will fall in behind that to some extent. Mm. And I just want to come back to something you said a moment ago about, again, about defining that risk appetite and having those diverse views in the room. It also sometimes makes things harder. 
what, what's been your experience around how to keep conversations constructive? Well, I guess how to keep that constructive tension in a group that is diverse? So I think being able to explore that when there are differences, being able to unpack that, being able to you know, understand, well, why do you think that? What's, you know, what's behind that? The classic, you know, can you please help me understand? That makes a big difference. If you can actually understand where someone's coming from and why they have the views that they do, you can then actually start to talk to those factors and, and you know, address the, the underlying concerns or you know, ideas that, that are behind that. And I think that, that and checking your ego at the door, really, that everyone's willing to have a conversation on that level, to my mind, are probably the two biggest things. Yeah. <laughs> Checking your ego at the door. Yes, okay. <laughs> it's a good thing to happen. Um, the time in these things always goes way too quick uh, and this one is no exception. So what are the key points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? I think really where I started that you know, think about your customers, think about what they need, what are their problems, how can you help them solve their problems? rather than inventing something that you want to invent, how mm. can you actually help them solve their problems? And then think about, okay, in that, what are you really good at? But where perhaps could you partner with someone else in the part that they're really good at? Absolutely that learning mindset. If there's one thing to walk away with, it's a learning mindset, being open to always learning new things, trying things out. If it doesn't work, what did I learn from that? And and having that generosity of spirit with yourself and with other people that you're not shooting down the ideas or the, you know, the things that people have tried, but actually supporting that. And that probably brings me, you know, it's about people. I mean, yeah. I think everything's about people when it comes to the end of the day, people working in teams, different risk appetites that, that people you know, might have different views and listening to that and, and learning. I agree. That number one thing, that's what struck me in this, I think, is that, you know, how do we ensure we stay in the constructive space? It's a learning mindset. How do we constructively talk about risk appetite? Have a learning mindset. How do you know your customers? Have a learning mindset. It really Absolutely. does feel like a foundation because it is all about people. If you can get that right mindset coming to it, we're much more likely to, to be able to bring it together. And is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Yeah, so this is a, a bit perhaps left field for, for boards, but I actually think it would be That's a good read. Mindset, Leonore, left field is great. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a book called Lean Startup. It's by Eric Rees. And really it, it talks a lot about that, what he refers to as a build, measure, learn feedback loop. So you try something you then you know, measure what happens when you try it and then what did you learn from that and then you build the next one so forth. And I think there's actually a lot of really good concepts in that book that would be interesting for, for boards to contemplate. Fantastic. I will make sure there is a link to that in the show notes so people can have a look at it. Do you happen to know if it comes as an audio book as well as a book book? I don't know. I have a paper version 
but I would imagine that it would come as an audiobook. I'd be very surprised if it didn't. I'm increasingly listening to audiobooks these days, probably from listening to so many podcasts. I've got used to consuming information in that way, which I never used to do. But anyway, it's I guess that's about the elasticity of the brain as well. It just starts to do things differently. Very um, true. Thank you, Leonor. That has been just a fantastic, I think, Innovation 101 for board members because, like I say, innovation is bandied around quite a lot, yet not always well understood what it's about or what board members need to think about in terms of having that innovative mindset. So thank you so much for sharing your considerable wisdom and experience with the Take On Board community today. It's been fabulous to have you here. It's been my absolute pleasure. Hi there, it's Halia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.